Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello. We are, as always, joined by producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, the celebrities that refuse to give their children a cent of their fortunes. Has the first Aussie influencer been cancelled? Kylie Jenner is pregnant with baby numero two, and then it is back by popular demand. We answer a question from the shameless mailbag and talk about the viral ad that made everyone in the country cry this week. But first, Sarah McDonald, how was your week? Good week, I guess. <laughs> you don't have to lie. Tell us the truth. The week was fine. I think that's all right. I how think- many times did you cry this week? Oh, I'm a big crier. I think I've made that very clear on the podcast. I actually think I only cried three times this week and once was in the Qantas ad. I think I'm pushing 15 this week. 15 times. I think it was a record for pandemic lockdown. There's nothing more cleansing than a cry. <laughs> I just feel so hot. I actually think I feel most myself after I cry because I feel calm. You've like tapped into your soul or something. I do worry about the state of our relationship in the next sort of five days, Michelle, because our boyfriends are extremely passionate AFL supporters. I would say my boyfriend actually needs to (laughs) seek help, sort some shit out about it. And they are playing each other in a final on Sunday and they're both pretending that they're going to be really civil about it. (laughs) They've been messaging quite a lot, but I don't actually think that they will be. Ollie doesn't give a shit about Mitch's feelings. I'm quite worried because, I mean, everyone who listens to the podcast and has listened for years know I am too a crazy Richmond fan. I'm a mad AFL supporter. I've had a lot of success three out of the last four (laughs) premierships. We didn't make finals. It's fine though. I'm happy to let the other teams have a go. That's what good sportsmanship is all about. The Doggies and Essendon, the Bombers, are playing on Sunday. Now, to say that Mitch and Ollie are mad AFL supporters is an understatement. And I've got to say, 
if I could leave my home, I would leave my home. I because would. World War Three is going to go down in my I, land room if they I lose. I would run. I want yeah. to I want to leave. I don't have anywhere to go. I have to Could we it. form an intimate partner bubble and we just live together? Part of me wonders if, because I'm a bandwagoner, right? I like to win. And so if Essendon look pretty hot on this game, I'll be all over it. Like I'll be waving my <laughs> scarf or whatever. Beyond that, it's obviously a completely uneventful week. I have started watching 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. Have you heard about it? Is that what? the Jimmy Carr yes. comedy show in Britain? Yeah. So last week, very tragically, the British comedian Sean Locke died. And to be totally honest with you, I hadn't watched a lot of Sean Locke's stuff. But obviously, once he died, his sort of greatest hits were all over the internet, all over my TikTok feed. And I was like, I've got to watch 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. It is hilarious. Like, you know how you recommended Would I Lie to You the other week? I find this Would I Lie to You on steroids. Like, I find it really? so much funnier <gasps> than Would I Lie to oh, You. Oh, that, that was like a punch in my gut. No, but it, what no, do you mean? It's just happiness. It's not a competition. <laughs> it's just funniness. You're the one who made it a competition by saying this one's so much better. <laughs> I love Would I Lie to You, but I do love this a lot. I think it's because, though, bear with me, when I was growing up, my brothers were obsessed with letters and numbers. Do you remember that oh, show yeah. on... Who is the majestic woman who yes. does the numbers? I don't know, but I will... Lily. 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 <laughs> I was like, I'll always have a special place in my heart for her brain. Do you know they still run reruns of that on SBS? Really? Yeah, constantly on every night on SBS still. So for people who haven't heard of Letters and Numbers, it is the Australian version of Countdown, right? It is literally this wacky game where they basically just do little like mind tricks about... Arithmetic. Yeah, like maths. <laughs> it's literally letters and numbers. <laughs> Countdown is the UK version. Eight out of ten cats was a panel kind of comedy show. They mushed them together. Jimmy Carr hosts it. Sean Locke was on it. It is just really funny and really nice. Did you watch the carrot in a box? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I can't be fine. I don't even know how to explain this. I'm so sorry, Annabelle. Uh, You know what? Don't explain the carrot thing. Let's just put it on Instagram on Thursday. There is a really funny scene with Sean Locke and on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. And I think people should watch it. And maybe that will sell them to the show. Yeah. Great one. Good recommendation. Just I think what the people need right now, to be honest. Jimmy Carr's laugh in itself is infectious. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like... No, actually, I can't do it. I can't do it. How was your week? (laughs) My week was good. I do want to recommend a lifestyle choice that I made. I actually switched off my phone and left it in a drawer all weekend. I think I needed a break from the news cycle and it actually did a great job at clearing my mind. Like not having Twitter updates, not looking at repeatedly gloomy Instagram stories in succession. So I am really, really happy that I did that. And if anyone else is feeling overwhelmed with the world right now, which I think is the predominant feeling, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, do you both feel overwhelmed? Definitely. (laughs) Give yourself a break from your phone. I think I really underestimate, it seems so cliched, but I underestimated just how attached I am to my phone. Like I had to program my car radio because I haven't actually used it since I've had it. I've just plugged in my AUX cord. I had to learn how to use my oven timer to bake cookies because I always just use the timer on my phone. I think it was really good to kind of reset and be like, okay, what's a healthy relationship with a phone? Particularly when I have a job that means that I'm constantly on my phone 24-7. You could have just used your computer timer. <laughs> it's such 
shit on Google. Does the computer have a timer? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. You oh. can find that on Google so easily. But I'm glad you know how to work your own oven right now. <laughs> I also have another recommendation. It is The White Lotus. It is on Binge. We all watched it, didn't we? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we did. What do we think? Would you also back my recommendation? This I is do. like quite quirky, quite humorous, but also very, very clever. I would 100% back that as a recommendation. I think the thing to tell the listeners before they go in is it's not some like fast-paced sort of drama where you're, you are kind of hanging off the edge of your seat every episode. It is just like a very clever exploration of rich white people on a resort in Hawaii and like the intersection between race, class, all of those kinds of things. Yes. Annabelle, you loved it? Yes. It's not what I expected. It's strange. It's odd. It's you strange. have to get used to it. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little odd. bit offbeat. I yeah. remember saying to Zara last week after we had watched a couple of episodes, I think one of the things that separates The White Lotus from other shows is it stays with scenes a little bit longer than you're used to. So the viewer, as the viewer, you're used to things cutting away at a certain time. Like a couple's about to have sex, it typically pans away and you're somewhere else. Or like an awkward interaction happens and then you go to another scene. This holds it to a point that makes it feel more realistic and also makes you feel deeply uncomfortable while also feeling deeply entertained. Well, there's something funny about The White Lotus. I mean, people who have watched it will understand, people who haven't, might not yet, but it really commits to things. <laughs> like I will often think like surely it's not going down this path, like surely not. And then it just does and then does it tenfold and I'm like, wow, this keeps happening. I think also some of these actors had to carry out certain acts and behaviours where it's made me question like, did the actor actually have to do that? How did they fake that happening because it looks a little too real. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. No, I would definitely recommend it is so well acted, I would say. Like yes. just incredibly well done. But it is strange. So go in there knowing that it's quirky and strange and just very, very clever and you'll be fine. Escapism, guys. That's what we all need right now. Absolutely. Just before we move into the first segment of the show, Mish, we ran a bit of a competition last week asking our listeners to upload an Instagram story of where they listen to the show. My, oh my, were there some very different spots that people listen. Yeah, it's so crazy to see the variation of shameless listeners, where you guys live, what you do for work. We had some tradies take photos of their work site and send it in. We had research scientists. We had people walking down the beach, people in the middle of the Australian bush. And it was really interesting to see how you guys are living life at the moment. We are delighted to announce the two winners. Their names are Simone and Michaela. We will post their Instagram handles on our page this morning. Don't know if they want us to read their full names live on air. (laughs) No, we didn't quite check that. So let's go with first names. I mean, one other really exciting part of this week, which we haven't even touched on as well, is for the Olympics fans out there, the Paralympics have started. Life's not too bad. This is what we need. Oh, don't we ever. This is literally the only thing that's going to keep me upbeat this weekend because God knows the Bulldogs will probably lose. (laughs) So I'm very excited to get my Paralympics on. Yeah, absolutely. So the Paralympics are on at Channel 7. That is not even sponsored in any way, shape or form. It just sounded like it was. I just I just love the Olympics. Just three gals who are feeling a little lost and need some direction. Need some Olympics. <laughs> the life. The Olympics. Need that Olympics life. <laughs> hey, let's get into the first segment of the show, Mish. We are starting with Daniel Craig and his promise that his kids are not getting any of his money. Poor little kitties of Daniel Craig. So the Bond star did do an interview with Candace Magazine this week. <laughs> Yeah, I did see that and I have to admit, 
when I first saw that, I thought, is this a fake interview? <laughs> like, has this been run everywhere and is this a fake magazine? Turns out it's a real magazine. He may as well speak to, like, the Andrews Family Newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> Candace, Candace Magazine is probably just like one of the biggest news outlets ever. <laughs> so he did say, isn't there an old adage that if you die a rich person, you've failed? I don't want to leave great sums to the next generation. He went on to say that his philosophy in life is to get rid of, and I mean not get rid of, but to donate and do charitable things with his fortune before he passes away. Yeah, it was interesting wording because he did actually say his philosophy was to get rid of the money, but I very cynically was like, buy what, like buying planes or (laughs) do you know what I mean? But Daniel Craig is 53. He did reiterate again that he finds it distasteful to leave heirs massive amounts of money. Now, Daniel Craig has two kids. He has a 29-year-old daughter, Ella, with his ex-wife, He also has a two-year-old daughter with wife, Rachel Weiss. Now, I totally forgot they were married. (laughs) Yeah, look, when you said this to me, I've responded being like, wow, I forgot too. And then I Googled Rachel Weiss and I was like, I don't really know much about Rachel Weiss. You were like, wait, I just never knew that. (laughs) Weren't they friends first? It was a cute love story, I think. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. We never tend to check Annabelle's fun facts. Let's just go. Maybe he's her mother-in-law, Annabelle. (laughs) I think it was godmother. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, Annabelle tried to throw in a fun fact about... A month ago. Everybody makes mistakes. (laughs) About Olivia Coleman and Phoebe Waller-Bridge and them being related or something. I'm trying to forget about it. (laughs) The world's best podcast producer that just jumps in with non-facts <laughs> to help contextualise things. Keep on your toes. <laughs> anyway, so yes, he's got two kids and he has said that he doesn't want to pass on that money. In the same week that this interview emerged, Mish, Daniel Craig actually did top Variety's list of movie star salaries. So he's not on peasant money by any stretch. He reportedly is earning $100 million from the sale of two sequels to the mystery Knives Out. I fucking love that movie. Okay. Sorry, that was really. What is that movie? I was going to say, I don't know what that movie is. It's that movie. It's like a mystery where Daniel Craig plays like the investigator to find out how someone died. And there are all these different. So, like every mystery movie ever. (laughs) No, trust me, it's really good. It's quite different. Okay. Mm. Not Murder on the Orient Express, that series. It's a bit like that, but it's not on a train. It's not set on a train. Okay. (laughs) Now, Mish, when I was looking into this story, it really does seem like Daniel Craig is not the only celebrity that feels this way. Not at all. So, back in 2008, speaking to My Weekly, Nigella Lawson said, I am determined that my children should have no financial security. It ruins people not having to earn money. Another celebrity chef in Gordon Ramsay told The Telegraph a very similar thing. He said, my money is definitely not going to my children. And that's not in a mean way. It's to not spoil them. The only thing I've agreed with Tana, who is his wife, is that my children get a 25% deposit on a flat, but not the whole (laughs) flat. And then there's Simon Cow, who told Esquire magazine, and I don't know if it's mean of me to be surprised by this. I'm so surprised by this. This was from 2013, so before he had kids, though. But he said, I'm going to leave my money to somebody, a charity probably. Kids and dogs, I don't believe in passing on from one generation to another. Your legacy has to be that hopefully you gave enough people an opportunity so that they could do well and gave them your time, taught them what you know. Now... I did want to have a quick caveat here because none of these people are explicitly saying what they are leaving. They're just saying they're not leaving everything. And one example I want to give, (laughs) 
in this story is Mark Zuckerberg, who has signed that 99% pledge where Mm. a lot of really rich people have pledged to give away 99% of their wealth when they die. And he has done that. And in doing that, he wrote a letter to his son saying, we want you to grow up in a world better than ours today. We will do our part to make this happen, not only because we love you, but also because we have a moral responsibility to all children in the next generation. Now, Mark Zuckerberg, according to Google, is currently worth $129 billion. So his kid ends up with over a billion. (laughs) Oh, poor little kid. (laughs) Are we being a bit cynical? I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg has to pledge nine. 99% of his fortune to charity. I'm going to take a positive slant here and be like, how good that 99% of that money is going to go to charitable causes. He, and it does say minimum of 99%. So we don't know. He's done a lot of damage to this world. I think the least he owes the world (laughs) is giving his money back and almost all of it. I mean, it is a funny one, right? Because yeah, I'm probably being a bit cynical, but I don't really mind if they're not going to be explicit. If they want the brand of I'm giving all my wealth away, I don't appreciate intergenerational wealth, then tell me how much you're giving away and tell me how much (laughs) and tell me how much you're passing on because Sarah's like show me the contract (laughs) (laughs) show me the receipts but I think it's like if you are still passing on what to you is a small bit of money that is still contributing to intergenerational wealth whether you want it to or not Mm, it's an interesting conundrum because I agree particularly with Nigella and Gordon Ramsay and Simon Cowell who have all said we don't think passing on too much wealth to a child builds a great person. I really, really agree with that. I think the best people are the ones who have to work for what they have and who have to excel in the face of challenges. I don't think that if you have too much of a cushy life, too much of a cushy circumstance, you're going to be the best person you can possibly be. But it's interesting to kind of value that philosophical stance over like your real life day-to-day stuff, like to value that philosophical stance over your need maternal or paternal to your child to make their situation as comfortable as possible. I imagine a lot of celebrities share this and go, yeah, I agree. But in my real life, I'm looking at my kid and I'm going, I want to give you everything I possibly can. That's why I don't think they're giving away everything because I don't think that they are. There's no conversation here about these kids being left in the gutter at all. They're not being left homeless. Like they are being left with a really comfortable life to the point where they can excel in their own space. Do you know what I mean? It's Mm. kind of like when you have just enough of something, you've got this launching pad to kind of build whatever they possibly can from it. Mm. I do wonder if the celebrities who come out and share this philosophy publicly are the ones who are mostly self-made. Like I think each of these people here have come from not working class, but from potentially middle class or upper middle class backgrounds. And I think if you do come from that that is such an integral part of your story that you want to emulate that in your children. I would be very surprised (laughs) if like wealthy business people tended to have this belief. I feel like in business and in entrepreneurship, there is this cyclical nature of getting money from relatives and then turning that into more money. I think it's very crucial and very much part of like the creative process of actors and chefs and musicians to go, I need to recreate this in future generations. It's funny. I mean, it would be pretty bloody rough for someone like Donald Trump who was handed like, what, a small figure of a million (laughs) dollars and then go to his kids like, nah, I want you to have nothing. Like, (laughs) I want you to be raised with nothing. Coming up after the break, Kylie Jenner is pregnant with baby number two. And then, back by popular demand, we answer a question from the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. 
And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the <laughs> rut. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> from the rut. <laughs> I couldn't stop it coming. I was like, no, it's like a fast moving train. I feel so shell-shocked. <laughs> it was so loud. And also the force of the sneeze pushed me into the microphone. <laughs> From the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle, Sneezy Andrews, what have you got? My first story. Hugh Jackman posts rare photo with mum after Rocky passed. This... <laughs> I'm scared I'm going to sneeze again. No, you're not. You're not. That is from news.com.au. This is the wholesome story yeah. we all need this week. Now, Zara, on Monday, 52-year-old Stop Laughing Hugh Sorry. Jackman shared a really sweet photo of himself with his mum. They were both smiling and hugging. Please stop laughing, both of you. Sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> you can just see Zara's shoulders <laughs> going up and down for laughter. <laughs> oh my god, this, this chaos. I don't know if we stop the podcast again or just roll through this. <laughs> we need to start. Okay. Oh, okay three, so two, one. Bad, oh, okay. <laughs> On Monday, yes. 52 year old Hugh Jackman shared a fairly sweet photo with his mum. They were both grinning. Yes. Yep, smiling, looking very alike. And it made people think. What is the story between Hugh Jackman and his mum? He has spoken to the media about this before, but it was a good refresher, Zara, because I was not across this particular celebrity story. Yeah, I totally agree. It actually was a really sweet photo of he and his mum. They both looked really similar, I guess. I mean, they are related, but they looked really lovely together. And Hugh has actually previously spoken of what he actually calls a traumatic part of his childhood, where his mum actually got up and left his family when he was just eight years old. She returned to the UK where she was from. And in an interview with 60 Minutes in 2012, he said, I can remember the morning she left. It's the weird things you pick up. I remember her being in a towel around her head and saying goodbye. It must have been the way she said goodbye. As I went off to school, when I came back, there was no one there in the house. Yeah, he went on. The next day, there was a telegram from England. Mum was there. And then that was it. I don't think she thought for a second it would be forever. I think she thought it was... I just need to get away and I'll come back. Dad used to pray every night that mum would come back. Oh, so that sad. hurts yeah. so much. So his mum leaves when he's eight years old. He clearly has this very vivid memory of the last time he sees her. And they go a really long time without seeing each other again. Yeah, she never did actually come home. And he has been really reflective publicly about this as well. I mean, he told The Sun in 2011, as I grew older, I gained an understanding of why my mum did leave. We have definitely made our peace, which is important. In 2012, he also spoke to Women's Weekly about it, saying, the thing I never felt, and I know this might sound strange, I never felt that my mum didn't love me. I've spoken about it at length with her since, and I know she was struggling. It goes without saying Hugh Jackman is the best. I was just going to say. Every time, every time he is involved in publicity or the media or interviews or whatever, he comes across as the best guy ever. Like this would shock me. If Hugh Jackman is not the best guy in the world, it would shock me to my core because he's one of the few celebrities where I just wholeheartedly believe that he's a great guy. Remember when we used to do celebrity hotline run-ins? Yes. We used to get people to call in with their celebrity run-ins and almost all of them started to be very defamatory. (laughs) Anyone has a really good Hugh Jackman lovely run-in? I don't want to hear your shit ones. No. I don't think there would be any. I wouldn't believe you. If you've got a really good one, can you let us know? Yeah, please let us know. That would be great. My second story 
Instagram influencer who has lost 20,000 followers tries to put on a brave face by declaring she only wants fans aligned with her anti-vax views. Zara, that is from the Daily Mail. This is a story about Chloe Zepp. She is probably one of Australia's most talked about and most engaged with Instagram influencers. She also owns a fitness label called Zepp. She has 660,000 followers on Instagram, which is obviously a colossal amount. It has been declining by a rate of about 5,000 people per day since the weekend, though. Yeah, exactly. And I feel very much like Chloe, I guess, has become the face of this wellness warrior movement on Instagram Mm. quite recently. Her and her partner, Mitch Orville, we actually had Mitch on the show last year to talk about his battle with addiction, but they have both made a range of pretty disappointing remarks recently, like likening hotel quarantine to being a hotel prison or that their detractors have an illness worse than any virus. What's really interesting about the story of Chloe and Mitch is a lot of people have been tracking their views based on stuff they've been liking, stuff they've seemed to be supportive of, Mm. including a business or a gym that was incentivizing its clients to not get vaccinated with free memberships. And Chloe was liking that stuff too. So this is how people are really putting stuff together. So there has been a trend, particularly over the last couple of days, of people posting TikToks of them unfollowing Chloe and Mitch and also throwing away any merch or apparel that they bought to support the couple. I think it's the first time we've really seen a movement to unfollow or unsupport or deplatform Australian influencers. I can't remember a time when we've seen this quite so strongly towards someone who's local. I totally agree with that. I haven't seen anything like this in an Instagram influencer context. So she acknowledged this a couple of weeks ago when they started murmuring around. She wrote on her stories, I am losing followers by the day and I'm literally waving them a goodbye. The more alignment for me, the better. Only up from here. So when we talk about these influencers in particular, Mish, why do you think there's been such a visceral reaction to these two? I feel like with Chloe and Mitch, first of all, People bought into their story. People have been very invested in this young couple. I mean, first of all, they've been super transparent with us about relationship problems, about going through a breakup, about going through a miscarriage, about then conceiving again as early 20-somethings. I think that built a level of investment that followers had in their story that we don't really have. Like the average Instagram influencer who's anti-vax, someone might go, "Ugh, I don't like that, but I followed you for your fashion or I followed you for whatever and I don't need to support you anymore. With Chloe and Mitch, we bought into them as people and we bought into their life story and their relationship together, which is a much, much deeper level of investment. I also think the subtext for Chloe and Mitch has always been about health, right? Like yes. I feel very much like their following has been built off living some form of healthy life. I mean, they even moved cities from Melbourne to the Gold Coast to support that quote-unquote healthy lifestyle too. They are constantly talking about exercise and food. So to see them now turn around and openly criticise health departments feels completely incongruous and completely illogical, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, well, on Sunday, as this was all kind of kicking off, Mitch and Chloe posted a vlog to their YouTube channel where Mitch referred to a worker in the health department as a, and I quote, fucking dipshit. They haven't just been critical of healthcare systems. Some of the tone has been outright aggressive towards healthcare workers. And I think that is not going to land very well if you're not very aware that the people you're speaking to might be the healthcare workers that are keeping the country afloat right now. Now, I want to talk about the top comment left on that vlog, left on that YouTube video, because I think this really poignantly sums up their fans' disappointment. One viewer wrote, 
This is the same health department that cared for your nana before she passed. The same healthcare department that helped you and Chloe deliver a healthy baby into the world. The same health department that provided antenatal care during pregnancy. The same health department that cared for Chloe's mum when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The same health department that cared for your dad after his cancer diagnosis. As I said, we know so much about the nitty-gritty of Chloe and Mitch's lives. They've shared all of that with us for so long. It just so happens to be over the last 18 months to two years, so much of that nitty-gritty detail has pertained to sickness or illness or medical complications within their family, all of which have been treated by universal healthcare in Medicare in Australia. For them to now turn around and say that this system doesn't have the Australian population's best interests at heart seems very incongruous and is very hard for a lot of people to stomach. Yeah, it feels very much like suddenly this virus doesn't directly affect me, yet I have to make sacrifices for it and I'm not willing to do that. And I think a lot of people are rightfully struggling with that mindset right now because it feels incredibly self-centred if I'm going to be very blunt about it. I think it feels so disappointing to see where their ideas and values appear to lie right now because I think a lot of people feel very blindsided by it. I mean, As you said, people have really connected with them in the last year in particular because of sharing their traumas, because of Mitch sharing his addiction. And now these same people who once felt incredibly connected now feel completely disappointed that these two don't have better perspective on their own circumstance. Yeah, particularly when they have been so concerned with things that have happened within the family. I think what viewers are feeling right now is that as soon as it doesn't affect them, they don't really bother to care. They don't bother to think about anyone's situation that isn't their own. I will be interested to see what happens next. I think in particular because Chloe Zepp's fitness label literally has her name as the brand. Mm. How many young Australian women, we know that young Australian women in general feel very passionately about the matter of vaccination how many are going to feel comfortable wearing ZEP on their body if they have different vaccination views? I mean, we know that fashion is a way to express ourselves. It is a way to say, like, this is who I am. And often it sounds ridiculous, but I think it's very much true with Gen Z in particular. This is what I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, bottom line, fashion is political. 100%. My third story. Pregnant Kylie Jenner's daughter, Stormy Webster, is so excited about baby number two. That is from E! News. This has been a headline simmering away for probably three weeks and finally we seem to have some form of confirmation. Yeah, exactly. So over the weekend, quite a few sources confirmed to E that Kylie Jenner, who is 24, is pregnant with her and Travis Scott's second child. Now, this kind of did confirm, as you say, Mish, months of speculation that she was pregnant because she hadn't been spotted in public for about two months. Mm. And we know from when she was pregnant with Stormy that she kind of wanted to go into a bit of a hole, her own hole, and kind of hide from the world, which is totally her right to do so. And yeah, it would appear that the, the news has been leaked from the Kardashians, which is just such an odd way that they do it. Yeah. So we don't have anyone putting their name to a quote confirming the pregnancy. But we do have very reputable publications that are very close to the family confirming this. So we had E! News come out and say, yes, she is pregnant. We also had Vogue come out and speak about it as fact. So I think it's pretty widely acknowledged that this is legit. And I think as well, we also had so many hints leading up to the news being announced that everything seems to be adding up. Yeah, but it's so funny to me that in 2021, when someone like the Kardashians, like Kylie Jenner, has so much direct access to her audience, that they still kind of want to leak the news 
through the news. Mm. Like it feels like such a funny way to go about it that I can't quite get my head around the strategy. Yeah, I don't know either. I think she was potentially trying to emulate the same atmosphere she did with Stormy and that was pretty secret until maybe like a few weeks before she gave birth. She probably realised this time that particularly with TikTok and the proliferation of rumour videos on TikTok, it just wasn't going to happen. Like everyone had cottoned on. She wasn't going to manage the next probably six months. It seems like she's probably three months pregnant with keeping it a secret. So she may as well let the cat out of the bag now and just have this intense scrutiny die down. The way that eagle-eyed TikTok fans cottoned on to this pregnancy was actually Kylie Jenner's nail art. So she was sharing photos as if they were all in the same day. But fans realised that her nails were drastically changing in every shot. Like the nails on her Instagram stories were not matching up with the nails on her grid. And Kylie Jenner supporters know she's very particular about her nails. She changes them every two weeks. It was very unusual to kind of have this discrepancy between the two platforms. And they thought, what's going on? What's going on is she's probably banked a whole bunch of content, trying to post it as if it's current day, present day, when in reality it's all old stuff and the nail art didn't align. So, I mean, hats off to all the TikTok sleuths. You are doing better work than we could ever dream of. (laughs) My fourth story, Kanye West and Drake bring their 12-year-old beef to the group chat. That is from Vanity Fair. Look, (laughs) this is actually one of the more complex feuds I've had to do research on, but um, here I go. So, (laughs) white girl exposes herself as exceedingly white. (laughs) Just, just you wait. It's only getting. It's only going downhill from here. (laughs) Kanye West and Drake, yes, as we said, have had a twelve-year feud, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It actually started, according to Vanity Fair, way back in two thousand and nine, because Kanye West critiqued one of Drake's lyrics. Then apparently Drake told the media that he'd lost a lot of respect for Kanye and so they sort of began writing like barbs about each other (laughs) in the music. And I feel like the only way to sum it up, Mish, is that they carried on and on for various reasons that can be boiled down to they're just competitors. They're competitors who don't seem to get along. Whether or not they actually genuinely don't get along or whether this is a bit of a PR beat up is yet to be understood. Like you could argue that this is all PR spin for everyone to be talking about Drake and Kanye West all of a sudden because they happen to be releasing music around the same time. Now, in the past, this feud has been so intense and so public that even Kim Kardashian has weighed <laughs> in. So a couple of years ago, Kim Kardashian, while still married to Kanye West, tweeted out, never threaten my husband or our family. He paved the way for there to be a Drake. My husband is the most brilliant person, the most genius person that I know. He has broken so many boundaries, everything from music, stage design, fashion and culture and will continue to change the world. Did Kanye write that? (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine Kanye on the family computer being like, my husband. (laughs) Okay, so where are we now? We know we've set the stage that this has been going on for a long, long time. What has happened for it to make headlines again this week? Over the weekend, a collaboration between Drake and another musician by the name of Trippy Red was announced. So the song was titled or is titled Betrayal and many fans think that there was a couple of lines in there that were about Kanye. Now, <laughs> I'm going to have to... Do your best. I'll do my best work. During Drake's part, he sung the lines... <clears throat> <laughs> All these fools I'm beefing that I barely know, 45, 44, burned out, let it go. Yay ain't changing shit for me. It's set in stone. Now, everyone assumed it was about Kanye. Kanye is 44 years old, if you want to do the maths. And his name is also Yay, yeah. or his nickname is Yay. <laughs> Not the most subtle barb if I've ever heard one. K- 
Kanye then reportedly did two things in retaliation, right? Firstly, he posted this screenshot of a group chat. Now, it was a group chat that many assumed Drake was in. You know, on iMessage at the top when you've got a group chat, it has sort of the first letter of everyone in the group chat in a bubble at the top. Yeah. There was a D. So everyone's like, Drake Drake must be in this group chat. And in that group chat, he sent a message that firstly included the Joker, like a photo of the Joker Mm -hmm. from Batman. And then he wrote, I live for this and amongst many other kind of Big insults, Mish, said, you will never recover, I promise you. (laughs) My favourite part is that he then took a screenshot of Drake's house on Google Maps and then posted that on his Instagram story so everyone then knew where Drake lived. Yes, and then he's deleted both really, really quickly. (laughs) So I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, Drake and Kanye both have albums that are meant to come out within weeks. Kanye has still not released that album we spoke about weeks ago. Donda. So they're both sort of fighting for when they're going to release these albums. This just feels like a very convenient way for us all to be talking about them both, for us all to get to a point to be like, yeah, they have albums coming out and I I think, honestly, we've just all drunk in the Kool-Aid. We have drunk the Kool-Aid and yet I've never been more intrigued by a Kanye West (laughs) or Drake album in my life. Whose team are we on? Annabelle, team Drake or team Kanye Um, West? I'm going to go Kanye. Really? Yeah. Honestly, just to guess. (laughs) I think Kanye, Drake's a bit of a dweeb. Yeah, I think I'm team Drake. I don't know why. No, he's such a dweeb. (laughs) If someone posted my address, I'd be real sad. That that is a bit rough. (laughs) My fifth story. Did I hear that on a family show? Viewers slam the voice and threaten to complain after contestant performs controversial original song. And even the coaches are left stunned. That is from the Daily Mail. I'm surprised we're talking about the voice on Shameless because it feels a little daggy, if I'm honest. Don't say that to all the hundreds of thousands of people (laughs) watching The Voice this year. The voice is smashing it. No, look, I won't lie. I was a bit short on an extra story to throw in here. (laughs) This was the first one I saw and I thought it was kind of funny, but it might not be funny now when I actually start telling the story. Let's see how we go. Annabelle, you don't know this story? No, I do not. All right. You can be sort of my guinea pig. So a 35-year-old singer by the name of Angus Milne performed an original song on The Voice with this week and um, got a bit of fanfare because there are some interesting <laughs> lyrics. Why do I get stuck with reading out little lyrics? <laughs> do we know what his song was called? No, but I'm going to read these out to you. If it's a jungle and I'm a tiger looking for pussy and I need to find her. Now, The Voice is a family show. <laughs> looking for pussy. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. But it could just be the cat type. And um, (laughs) Daily Mail wrote about it, like pointing to the outrage of some parents who were like, this is a family show, and wrote this line. While many loved his singing, others said that they were flabbergasted that Channel 7 allowed the song to be played, claiming it was clear innuendo for something much more crude. Part of me is like, yeah, Daily Mail, what? (laughs) Tell me. I am... I was on Twitter looking at some of the tweets about this. They were hilarious. I do think some people were taking the piss. But there was one where someone just wrote, wholesome family entertainment, my ass, with a gif of a pussy cat. (laughs) Can I say, if we need to delete any word from, like, the horny lexicon, it's pussy. I hate the word. Well, then why did you just say it? Why didn't you just say it's that word? It's, I I mean, I don't know. A whole shiver just was sent down my body as it came out of my mouth. But this has to be... The worst word that people can use in sexy contexts, right? Oh, God, yeah. Because the the saddest part about the word pussy 
<laughs> don't even say it. It's a it's shameless okay, fan now, the fine. P word. I'll beep it. I'll beep a meow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fine. Is that is that wet meow shots that you get at a bar taste so good? But I just flatly refuse to order them because of the word that is involved. That's mum, come get me. <laughs> that is the fifth and final story. <sighs> this is a ride, guys. Thanks. Quite a ride. <laughs> hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. Back by very popular demand, guys. We have the shameless mailbag again. This week we had listener Selena write in. Annabelle, do you want to do the honours? Sure thing. Selena wrote, hi, girls. Weirdly enough, I really loved seeing you both get emotional at the Qantas ad on your Instagram grid. I watched the ad with my girlfriend on YouTube and we both bawled our eyes out too. It got us thinking about hope. Are you hopeful? Do you hold on to hope in such dark times like these? Also, given the ad is all about people finally enjoying their one day when borders finally reopen, we were curious. What will each of those days look like for the three of you? Sending you love. Thanks for the podcast, Selena. Thanks, Selena. What a lovely thought. I hadn't sort of put it into this context, but I thought what a lovely email. For those who haven't watched this Qantas ad or don't quite know what we're talking about, let's give a bit of context, Mish, because at the time of recording, it is the number one trending video on Australian YouTube. It has been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. And I guess we haven't had a really good vaccination ad put out in Australia yet. We've had That is the world's biggest understatement. Yeah, we've had an absolute stinker or two from the Australian government. So Qantas put out an ad for obvious reasons. I mean, they need people flying. They're a business, a big bloody business, and they need people to be vaccinated to fly. So it's set to the soundtrack of Fly Away by Tones and I, Mish. Yeah, and it's perfect. It is so perfect. I can't believe that the only good vax ad we got was from a big corporation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I need to put on the record, this is thoroughly unsponsored. I know this might sound <laughs> sponsored because we're like, Qantas is the best. Fly Qantas. This is unsponsored. We just really friggin' love Qantas ads. And they do have a reputation in Australia for delivering the best ads, like iconic Australian ads that really capture the mood. So whoever's doing the creative direction stuff at Qantas, hats off to you. you. make us an ad for shame? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all this free publicity we're giving you. Give us some back. Yeah, give us a little bit, thanks. Regardless, <laughs> bloody successful ad. Yeah, exactly. It's like reading the mood to such a beautiful level. I mean, it's funny, when I saw this on Twitter, I clicked into play and saw that people were kind of saying, oh, this has like really moved me. And I sort of started like tearing. And what was really interesting is I started tearing and then I finished the ad and I turned to my boyfriend and I was like, oh, I'm crying over the Qantas ad. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you cry over everything. And then <laughs> I wasn't just crying. I, it like snowballed. The way that I likened it to you, Mish, was like, you know, when you kind of like trip over something and it's like a small trip and then you kind of like gain way too much momentum and then just like tumble. <laughs> yeah. That's how it felt that I wasn't even crying over the ad after that. I literally just started like heaving a bit, if that's even the right word. It was so interesting because it was like the first time I had properly let myself get into the mental state of like one day I will be able to leave the country, one day I'll be able to get on a plane and I'll be able to just enjoy time with my loved ones for the sake of it. And I don't think I had been there in so long. Like my brain has been in, don't think of that don't go there, don't even get excited for that day because it's so far away and you'll just be set up for disappointment. And I think to see Qantas kind of get down to the real nuts and bolts of that feeling and then put it out in such a beautiful ad 
just surprised me. Like I was surprised by my own emotion. And I was the same as you. I I started tearing up and I loved the ad so much. I replayed it again and watched the whole thing through. And then by the end of the second time, I was literally sobbing because I think it's just, it just hits home, like how deep and dark this tunnel has been for Australians, particularly Victorians and Sydney siders or New South Welshmen. Yeah, it's funny because I think as a coping mechanism, right, I have been like, stay very present, like stay as present as you can in every day and don't look too far back and don't look too far forward, which I think has actually kept me sane pretty well that I'm like, I'm not thinking about how things used to be. I'm not thinking about how long this road might be. I'm literally just going to deal with today. And it's taken me a lot of trainings, maybe six lockdowns to feel like I'm really good at doing that. But I think in doing that, it's been healthy day to day, but I do think it's robbed me of thinking about hope a little bit, because Mm. if you're not giving yourself any opportunity to look forward because you're scared of looking forward, you actually don't give yourself any hope. And I think maybe that's why I responded so viscerally, because I was like, I don't really think about what life's going to look like when things are normal. Like I literally don't do that. And so then I started to really think about the fact that it's like, yeah, it's not going to be fucking like this forever. Like it is just simply not going to be like this forever. There will be a day that we turn around being like, what a blip. How random was that? (laughs) And like, that was such like a clarifying feeling for me. Yeah. And I know that we're not in the worst scenario. Like I know there's a lot of conversations around really valid and worthwhile conversations about other situations in the world that really help contextualize and give perspective on what we're going through. And I think that's helpful from a perspective standpoint that you can go, I don't have it the worst, but my circumstance is still pretty shit and I still feel pretty bad about that. But it's been this interesting kind of tug of war between going, I need perspective, but also I need to validate exactly how I'm feeling and how I'm feeling right now is really down and really dark. It's so funny because it is almost an impossible tightrope that humans have to walk, especially Australians have to walk right now, exactly as you say, being like, I have great perspective on the world and I am really lucky right now to be in a home, hopefully, that is safe for people that are in a safe space, surrounded by maybe people that they love, be it maybe not at home, but at least in their orbit via phone or whatever it might be. But also, as you say, I don't think it's going to be healthy for anyone to deny what they're feeling. And it reminds me a lot of Zadie Smith writing an essay about this. I think it was the end of last year in the thick of the pandemic. And she wrote about suffering and she said, suffering is not relative. It is absolute. Suffering has an absolute relation to the suffering individual. It cannot easily be mediated by a third term like privilege. If it could, the CEO's daughter would never starve herself nor would the movie idol ever put a bullet in his brain. I think that's a really important quote for people to remember. It is not to say that you need to sit here and kind of wallow completely and say, I have the shittest hand of anyone, but it is to say, validate your own feelings because suffering isn't relative. It is absolute. Well, after watching this ad, I think the overwhelming emotion that I felt when I was crying to it the second time around was... I am missing out on my 20s. I had always planned that this decade was going to be about really going for it in my career, but also really traveling and exploring and spending time with friends and my partner. I didn't want to have kids in my 20s because I kind of carved out this space as a time for fun and frivolity. And I think saying goodbye to two years that in reality I won't get back has been a form of grief that I've had to validate within myself. It's really interesting. Yasmin Abdel-Magid posted this series of tweets on her Instagram page where she's in London at the moment, but she's obviously from Australia. And she wrote, COVID has messed with my friendship something fierce. I haven't seen some people for nearly two years. So much has changed in so many people's lives and I haven't been there really for any of it. The loss of shared memory, shared experience gnaws at me constantly. 
that last line, the loss of shared memory and shared experience. Yeah. It's like that's actually what is at loss right now. It's like you don't really have shared memories or shared experiences with anyone, maybe beyond the people that you live with if you're lucky to live with someone in this time. And I was like, that is so bang on. Back on hope though, I think what I've been trying to do after watching the ad is kind of separate my hope into like short-term hope and long-term hope and actually kind of like categorize it in my mind because I'm like, it's an incredibly healthy thing to do. I don't actually even think you need a particularly anxious mind to always want to not set yourself up for disappointment. Like I do that as well. I always think don't let yourself go there because you will be disappointed, but it's like let yourself go there. Like, I think that's a really healthy thing we can suggest that people do today is like, let yourself go there because I think it will be a real exercise in relief. Yeah. I think the one thing that's giving me hope at the moment, this will sound so naff and saccharine. I apologize. To I mean, listeners. this is all a bit naff and saccharine. <laughs> Are you going to say naff and sack there? I'm like, maybe <laughs> that should be a shameless term. Naff and sack. It's me hoping that the sun will yes. be out and shining brilliantly that week like when I short-term hope short-term hope literally I think the thing that is keeping me up and about is the thought that we are about to head into spring spring often brings with it the bees welcome back the bees but also (laughs) like far better weather and that's the one thing that I can look forward to hopefully in the next week is that we will have sunny days and I'm finding that my mood is so mirrored by the weather that day right now, that that is such a good thing that I can open up my windows in my apartment and go, okay, there is blue sky. And if there is blue sky, it's going to be a pretty good day because I'll be able to get out on a walk, enjoy some sunshine and some vitamin D and spend time with my fiance and my dog. That's what is giving me hope right now. Yeah. Do you guys have one of those like one day in mind? And I have that in inverted commas, like the ad or like Selena actually asked us. Well, in the ad, we saw three different days, right? We saw the newlyweds who finally get to go and have their wedding. We saw the single dad who finally gets to go and be reunited with his daughter, I believe in the UK, I think it was. And then we also had the young family who get to go to Disneyland together. And I think those three stories would sum up how a lot of Australians are kind of looking forward to something right now. So it's kind of good to think, what is that one day going to look like for you when you hop on that plane and leave? Well, hopefully I'll have multiple days. Yeah. <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> I have more than one. Of course, this is an exercise in thinking about hope. You have a lifetime of days. I thought about two days specifically. My yeah. first day would be my mum is currently interstate and I haven't yeah. seen her in a while, so I would love to go see her as soon as I can. The second would just be like going on a trip with my friends. Sounds super basic, but like... I really want to go to Tassie. I've never been. And after my sister's wedding at the start of 2020, all of my family were here from China and we were going to go on a family trip to Tassie and then it didn't happen Yeah, Yeah. because of COVID. But yeah, there have been a couple of instances where I was about to go to Tassie and I didn't. And so I've been like kind of hyping myself up for this trip that's never happened and I really want to go. So Mm, yeah, that's so nice. Tassie is the best. Yeah. Zara, your day? My day. It's funny because I actually don't think when we say like getting on a plane and going away, I don't even know if I necessarily need to go overseas. I mean, yeah, I would love to be in like a random beach club in Mykonos with like 40 of my friends, but I wouldn't say no to that. (laughs) But I think like what I would really want is it's so funny, like be in a house with like more than 20 or 30 people that I know. I feel like it's been such a long time where I can like dance with them or be at a party or do something like that. And I'm not a huge party animal, but it's strange the things that you crave. Mm. And I think for me, when I'm in that sort of scenario, I'll be like, yeah, I feel like we're kind of crossing the road out of this. Yeah. So interesting. Mine is tied to being on a plane. I think I haven't been on a plane since March, 2020. I think I haven't wanted to book interstate travel because I've just had in my head, it might be cancelled and I can't deal with that 
rejection or that <laughs> dejection. So mine is getting on a plane. I'm like itching to have a change of setting and to actually have that reset. I really just want to be able to go on a honeymoon. I want to be able to go on a honeymoon and jump into the ocean with my new husband because I don't know what it is. Like I just, I crave sunshine and a beach somewhere that is not in yeah, Melbourne. And I cool. cannot wait for that day where it's like, we actually get to plan something and look forward to it. We get to plan something and do it instead of plan something and up until the very day that it happens, wonder, is this going to fall through? Is this not going to happen? I look forward to the day where I make a plan and 99.9% chance that plan will come off. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the thing that I was just thinking as you said that is like I really look forward to a day as well, which absolutely will happen. This is all going to happen where the world doesn't feel so big anymore. Like mm. I think when you're able to travel overseas, you realise that the world is quite small because you can get places via a plane. But right now it just feels insanely big. So when that feels different, I think it'll be really nice. I want to hear what everybody else's days are. I mean, we'll do it for Your Safe Friday. We are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We will ask you on Friday... What are you most looking forward to? I imagine there are a lot of family reunions that people won't let themselves think about. But I I really don't think it's a terrible exercise to think about that because it's going to happen. Yeah, it will happen. Thank you so much to Selena for writing into the Shameless Mailbag. If you want to write into the Shameless Mailbag, make sure you email hello at shamelessmediaco.com. We rummage through it whenever we feel like. I mean, last week we said, we'll do it this week and then maybe in a month we'll do it again. This is clearly the mood. It's clearly what people want. And we were really surprised by the number of mailbag submissions that we received. So we're going to do it whenever we fucking feel like it. (laughs) We do make the rules. Guys, if you want to support the show, click that green follow button on Spotify or that purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. We will be back in your ears on Saturday because it's time for book club. Annabelle Lee, are you excited? You and I are still cramming the book. We've got approximately 50 pages to go, (laughs) both of us. (laughs) Classic crammers. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.